was that noise? Don't mind me. I'm just a little kid over here with my goldfish and my cheese stick. <laughs> I was like, crunch. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, look around. I'm like, no one else is down here. So who's crunching? Sorry, I got my little goldfish packet. Ah. Uh, Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on November 29th, we'll be talking about fairy tale retellings. Then on December 6th, we'll be helping you out with gift ideas for the bookworms in your life. Besides books, of course. <laughs> and here's a quick plug for our Patreon. We've got stickers, bookmarks, mugs, and more. Check out all the cool perks at patreon.com slash thebooklifepodcast. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge shout out and thank you to our patrons, Ronnie and the Pirate Queen. May your problems always be fictional. Now, on with the show. All right. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, my best friend, Abby. Tonight we are discussing our Patreon pick, The Reluctant Assassin, the first book of Warp? Yes. Good. I was right. By Ian Colfer. Ian, sorry, is Ian Colfer. I don't pronounce it correctly, and I apologize, Mr. Colfer, for not pronouncing your name correctly because I'm quite American. So, background on this book. So, I definitely had two copies. I don't know why I had two copies, but I surely had two copies. And I'm like, hey, Abby, do you want to read this book? I have a free copy for you. And Abby went, of course. Great. So we put it on our 2021 to to you know to be read list. Um, Abby, when did you finish by chance? Oh, Goodreads can tell me. Hold on. Okay, I'm surprised you don't remember. Uh, months ago, <laughs> I I finished this a long time ago because I thought Mo was going to finish this a long time ago. Someone made a lot of assumptions. I know. I made a big assumption. <laughs> Let's see. March 13th, finished reading. Yeah, guys, you know when I finished this book uh, last week. So, mm, the first week of November. Y'all, this book took me 10 months. It took me as long as to birth a child. Or bake and then birth a child, essentially. So, oh, if that gets you an impression of what kind of discussion we will have tonight... I hope you are ready for this exciting ride. Um, if you haven't read the book, that's fine. Just listen to our podcast episode anyway, because I actually am going to tell you, don't read this book. But that's my opinion. So just listen to our episode instead. So, Abby, could you please start us with our summary? There are no fun facts for tonight. Sure. What do a Victorian-era orphan boy and a young and disgraced FBI agent have in common? Well, a time machine and a deadly assassin out for their blood for a start. Hmm. Sounds like this would be fun, right? Sounds like this would be a great middle school read. We know we love Artemis Fowl. That was a fantastic read. So, starts off promising. Let's talk about the characters. The first character we have is Chevron Savano, also known as Chevy. She is one of our main characters, a young federal agent sent on assignment to jolly old England from sunny California. Underneath the care of Agent Orange, a.k.a. Felix Smart. She is a trained martial artist and a trained shooter. 
She technically works for the FBI. She's 16 years old. Next, we have Riley, our other main character, a young man from 1898 London who is training under Albert Garrick, his surrogate father, to be an assassin. He is 14, 15? Something like that. Something like that. A little younger than Chevy. We have Felix Smart, a.k.a. Agent Orange, a.k.a. the son of Charles Smart, a.k.a. the federal agent in charge of the warp headquarters in London. He's American, just so you know. We have Albert Garrick, an assassin from the 19th century who is also a magician and Riley Sarrigan father. He is feared throughout London. We have Malarkey, a rough-and-tumble mob boss of the Rams from the 19th century. He is known for his powerists and for running fights in the Hidey Hole, which, by the way, I kind of love that name, the Hidey Hole. I'm like, ooh, that's such a fun name. It is. We have Carismo, a popular writer in the 19th century and Riley's personal hero who has the ear of the queen. And we also have Bob Winkle, a cheeky street urchin from the 19th century London who knows the insides and outs of all the city. There's some other characters that are kind of sparkled through, but those are the ones that really stood out to me. Everyone who is not Chevy, Riley, or Garrick is just a very minor character, but important. Mm-hmm. And guys, we have very little to say in this first half, so I think we're going to wrap it up here, and we will talk to you in a minute. I'm Kayla. And I'm Haley. And we host the podcast We Majored in English for this. It's a weekly show on YA fiction and tomfoolery. Join us each week as we rant, rave, and recap your favorite young adult fiction books. You can find us on all your favorite streaming platforms. And now back to your show. Welcome back, guys. And remember, this half is spoilers. So if you have not read The Reluctant Assassin by Ian Colfer, pause right here, go read it, and then come back and talk to us. Or if you don't care about spoilers, stick around. I'm going to tell you to stick around today. This book was okay. Yeah, this book was okay. And I mean, like, I enjoy um, middle school reads with featuring young characters. Mm -hmm. I'd enjoy this book. Yeah, this definitely isn't like Artemis Fowl level by any means. For me personally, when my boys are a little bit older, this would be a book that I would offer them if they were interested in reading it. But it would not be like a top pick for me. It wouldn't be one that I'd be like, boys, you have to read this. You're going to love it. Like, it wouldn't be one of those. But, I mean, it's a decent read for a middle grade. It is what it is. I agree with that. Okay. So tell me about your favorite characters. Abby. Yes. So my favorite characters had a very small part in, in the book. My first favorite character was Felix Smart. He took place in two or three chapters. Tops. Tops. <laughs> he was snarky. He was enjoyable. I thought he'd be a great mentor to Chevy. I thought he would be like that guiding hand, kind of like Butler is to Artemis. Hmm. Yeah. Listen. So the time machine was cool, and Smart got sucked into the time machine, and he got merged with Garrick, and then he was gone. And I was like, "What the actual what? That's it? I don't get a lovable, delightful, older mentor character for Shavian Riley. Now he's stuck inside Garrick, and Garrick has all the 21st century knowledge of how to use a gun and." how the FBI works and all this pop culture crap. Really? That's what I got. 
Yeah, I was kind of surprised by his early demise. Like, I know mentors are usually killed off really fast, but like, dang, I wasn't prepared for it still. Um, I had zero preparations and I was like, the level of disappointment was great. Well, because you barely get enough time to even like start liking him. And then you're like, oh, never mind. He's dead. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of a shocker for me. All right, so who's your other favorite character then? Well, I really love this guy. He came in like the last two chapters of the book. His name is Bob Winkle. He, I don't know, he was cheeky. He had really good banter with Chevy. He was resourceful. I loved how he was like, let me just roll up here, my horse and buggy, after he had dropped Chevy and Riley off and we had the big um, fight and the house got sucked into a wormhole and he's like, and they're hailing a cab, and he's just like, hey, y'all, how you doing? Here I am, back in the buggy that you told me to ditch. But I kept it instead. Come on in. Let's get going. He's just so nonchalant, you know? hmm And I really like how, at the end of the book, him and Riley strike a partnership, and he brings his three brothers with him, which, by the way, I didn't want to read the next book, but because of him and Riley, I'm like, ugh. No, I want to know your backstory. I want to find Riley's brother now, and I want to know more about Bob. Dang it. (laughs) Dang it. I know. I was fully prepared to not want to read the next one. I'm kind of like, maybe. I kind of have an urge, you know? Like, I don't want to have an urge, but Abby, I I got an urge. So, anyway. (laughs) So we have that, and that's it. That's all I got. That that's I didn't like the main characters. Abby, I even liked Malarkey over the main characters. The main characters were really not standouts. So who did you like by chance? <laughs> uh my favorite character was Albert Garrick, and he's the villain. <laughs> okay, so he is a villain that I felt like could be in a YA or NA novel that'd be young adult or new adult because he was just that well written he was very fleshed out he was bloodthirsty he was deadly he was sinister just like he was such a well-written villain I wish I had liked the book in general more yes he was he was pretty good he had a few parts where he had um like tangents or uh, he's kind of like what's it called what is the thing monologuing, which I know, like, you know, we're reading chapters from his point of view. So, of course, he's going to monologue. But I was like, oh, it made me think of the Incredibles when, um, yeah, when the one guy starts monologuing and we just kind of wait for his demise to happen. <laughs> yeah. See, and because it's a middle grade book, I forgave the monologuing very easily. That's just me personally, though. I didn't mind it as much. I liked I really liked his character. I liked his motivations. I just, I loved his backstory. Everything about him was so well thought out. I was like, why were the main characters not this thought out? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that too. Because like, normally if you have a main character who's good and the villain who's bad, they're supposed to be like foils to each other so that they set each other off so that like, 
you re- you can get really invested in both of them if you want. Mm-hmm. Riley and Chevy just weren't foils to Albert. Like he outclassed them so much, there was no give and take. And that's it's just the they were they were so outclassed, and that wasn't their fault because they were still children because it is a middle grade book. Yes. Which is okay, which I forgave them for as well. Right. So like I definitely like when I rated this book, I was definitely lenient in my rating just because it is a middle grade and middle grade is no longer really aimed at me. <laughs> I still enjoy reading it sometimes, but it's just I'm not technically the audience, so I feel like I can't judge it super harshly, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I do judge it, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I give it a little bit more leeway than I would with a YA novel or an adult novel. But yeah, they just, they weren't good foils for each other. So the whole book is just Chevy and Riley running away. Which I was okay with too, but I was yeah. bored with the running away. Like sometimes there's really exciting event, you know, like, oh, they're being pursued. It's like, I don't know. It's just- Yeah, it wasn't an exciting runaway. It wasn't an exciting pursuit. Mm-mm. And so, I mean, it wasn't terrible. It was just. No, it wasn't, wasn't terrible. It been. But it was just boring. Yeah, it wasn't as good as it could have been. Like I said, not Artemis Fowl levels by any means. No, like, and I mean, I used to be able to, like, finish an Artemis Fowl book in a day because they're such a good read. You speed right there, and you're like, yes, that was so good. But I just, the last two books I read by this author, not doing it, man. Like, I think I can only read Artemis Fowl, and that's it. Like, nothing else has been, oh, wait, no, Supernatural was really good. Supernaturalist? That was really good. I remember that one. I never read that one would recommend that one um i enjoyed that one i read it back in high school 15 years ago 20 years ago 19 years ago there we go can you math nope i'm tired how about you no i never math okay no math (laughs) you're right okay so after reading the dragon book whose name i have wiped from my brain because it was that painful reading this one at least made me go I remember why I liked this author you know yes so like reading this book definitely took me back to I remember why I liked this author and so I mean that was a good feeling Mm -hmm. but this book just by itself was like meh but you know at least we both knocked one more off our TBR right yeah we did it man that made me happy (laughs) All right. Uh, least favorite characters. I mean, we were kind of already talking about this, I guess. But well, here I will state it for the record. Um, my least favorite characters was literally every freaking one else in this book I didn't name before. So Riley was annoying. Chevy was okay. Garrick was a great villain, but he also he irritated me. And Riley, I think, only irritated me. I don't know why he irritated me. I just did not like him, apparently, very much. Um, everyone just annoyed me. I was bored for two-thirds of the book. Maybe I needed a little bit more background on Riley, because I would thought I would like him. He's a book-loving, reluctant, 
kid who doesn't want to kill people, but he's pretty talented. And maybe he just didn't shine enough for me. Yeah. Maybe I didn't get enough wonder of him experience the 21st century. Maybe he didn't give me enough of him showing Chevy around 19th century London. I don't know, but I was like, Mo doesn't want to read this book at all, but Mo suggested So I felt dedicated to finish it. Otherwise, I think I would have just shoved this on my DNF list. But yeah, I don't know. It was whatever. Yeah. Abby, you? I feel like I would have been more interested in Riley if his backstory had been hinted out sooner as like a prologue or something. Because mm. like if okay. you had started with the agent being killed back in the Victorian era and been kind of mysterious and vague about it, that would have really interested me, especially if there had been a kid that was mentioned but not named kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would have interested me more in Riley and Chevy because I would have been going, is one of them this kid? And which one is it? You know what I mean? Yes. Like it would have added that little bit of mystery that would have made me more interested in the main characters. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really hate anyone. I wasn't really annoyed by anyone. It was just so many of the characters were kind of meh for me and just not memorable i'm like i'm trying not to be bored but man like i know yeah. like no one like you know we we read artemis fat artemis of course once again sorry comparing you know what the book that we shall not name at least the characters in that book were actually freaking like rememberable characters you know what i mean Oh, yeah, that's true. It's like, mm, I hate saying that book had something good about it, but it has it over this. Like, Colfer's a, a phenomenal writer for characterization, making really awesome, well-defined characters. What the hell happened mm-hmm. with this book? Yeah. Like, they didn't turn into good characters until, like, literally the last two chapters. Yeah. One thing I do want to say that is a plus for this book and for Colfer as an author is Chevy herself. So even though her character just by herself didn't particularly interest me, I like how Colfer handled her. I liked how he wrote her. So Chevy's Native American for anybody listening who hasn't read the book or doesn't plan to read the book and doesn't care about spoilers She's Native American, but he drops it so nonchalantly within every other description as he's going along that it is not a big deal. It's not a focus. It's not like her main character trait. You know what I mean? Like, because some authors will be like, oh, this character is black. Oh, this character is Hispanic. And that's the only thing about them. (laughs) That is definitely not what he did with her. So I really appreciated how he handled her. I think he wrote her very well. She just wasn't an interesting character for us. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. She was really smart. She, I liked her more than Riley. I think I liked the idea of her more than the actual character. You know? Like, on paper, she sounds like a phenomenal, interesting character. In the actual book, she's like, 
Meh. Yeah. And I think if she had just had more action, because she feels like a young Mercy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I kept but, thinking of Mercy Thompson as I was reading this, and it was just like, <sighs> she spends so much of her time sitting around doing nothing. Right. And I'm like, I I don't know. I I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So props to Colfer for handling her character well, even though we did not personally enjoy her overly much. Oh, no. I started to actually like her towards the end, but I can't say if she was my favorite character because she had a whole freaking book to turn into a favorite character. She did not. I liked Riley and Chevy more towards the end because the end was really good. It was just getting to the end that was the problem. (laughs) I know. So, all right. Favorite scenes. Um, I need to take a pause real fast, okay, because I had to look up something about this book which led me to the author's website. Mm-hmm. And I need you to take a deep breath. Oh, dear. Amazon has put in development High Fire, a TV series based on the adult thriller novel by best-selling Artemis Fell author. No, 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 no. With Nicolas Cage voicing the lead character and executively producing Breaking News. I feel like this is going to be one of those things down the road where I'm going to be evil to both of us and offer our patrons a choice. No. And have a book versus movie episode. No. You know, be even better. Hey, Patreon um, subscribers, if you live in the area around us, why don't we all go over to somebody else's house? That's not my house, but the other host's house. And we will enjoy a screening of the High Fire TV series in a roasting episode with our Patreon oh, listeners. goodness. I like that notion. That just requires the Pirate Queen to drive over from her um, hidey hole over here. It does. I bet we could convince her, though. She's pretty cool. All right. Well, that is for the future. (laughs) Anyway, so favorite scene. So I love chapter one. Great opening. I thought it was going to set the pace for the book. I'm like, oh, oh, this is a little little dark for a uh, middle school book. Cool. Then we got in the Chevy store and I was like, okay, cool. I guess I should like really narrate. I'm dancing in my seat kind of waiting, you know, like when you're uh, grooving to the elevator music, trying to get to the floor. Oh my God, I was on the elevator for like 10 months. That's how long it took me to get to the top floor of the book. Okay. But the end was literally the only part of the book I really enjoyed. Like everything, once we got to Malarkey's hidey hole to the end, solid four stars. Loved the fighting scene between Chevy and Malarkey. That was hilarious. I loved her kicking some ass. Then we ran to the one guy, Crismo, and I loved his story. Like, his was so, ooh. I was like, oh, oh, where have you been hiding this whole book? This is great. Oh, well, now you're going to the insane asylum. Okay. Okay, you lost two chapters. Cool. Oh, now we're going to hide again from Garrick. Damn it. Here we go again. Did not annoy me, but then we met Bob. I loved Bob. That was great. Then we had the showdown at Smart's dad's house where he was. That was cool. I like that part too. Then yeah, 
then then the book ended. And I was like, I was like, crap. Kind of want to read the second book now. Didn't want to read the second book. Dang it. So what about you, Abby? That's what I got to. I can hear you drumming your fingers. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I also changed the settings on my mic, so it was a little bit more sensitive. So sorry about that. I was trying to figure out what it was at first because I can't see your hands, and I'm like, oh, she must be drumming. <laughs> I was. I, I was wiggling my fingers, wiggly fingers. Hmm. Okay. So I really liked the time machine bits. I thought the description of the transfer was really cool. I liked the mechanics of like the dangers of it, like the possibility of the mutations and just like, if you don't do it exactly right, you're really going to fudge it up bad. (laughs) So I thought that was really cool because Mm -hmm. time travel is one of those things that can be done really well or can be done really badly. And there's very little in between. (laughs) And I think that particular aspect of this book was done well. I liked that there were so many limits on it and that there were so many specific things that had to be done in order to make it happen. I think that definitely upped the ante when it came to those scenes because they're like trying to get all the machines warmed up in time. They have to turn the keys at the right time. They have to make sure they're standing in the right spot at the right time. Like, that's a lot of steps to remember to make sure you don't come out with a fishtail or something crazy. Like, and no one wants a fishtail, right? No, definitely don't want a fishtail. Man, we are going to have what a sweet little visitor all throughout our episodes this week. Yeah. So, guys, we're in a new house now, and we just brought our cats over this evening. And River is basically just doing a sound off throughout the house meowing as loudly as she can and right now she's pacing circles in the kitchen around me meowing at me I'm like come to me I will pet you but that is what you're hearing throughout this episode (laughs) they're just so happy they are they are happy to be here so I really liked the twist that Riley was the son of the last agent who'd been sent back to Victorian England Mm mm-hmm I thought that was really cool. It was not something I'd seen coming, but it made 100% sense within the story. And I wish more had been done with it. It was just one of those things that like he found out, realized it, and then was like, okay, and we're moving on. Like I wanted a little bit more there. I think that was part of the thing that got me about Riley and Chevy was their backstory sounded so interesting and you don't get to see them. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get to see Chevy being disgraced. You don't get to see any of what happens to her. You don't get to see Riley's beginning until you're like two thirds of the way through the book. Yeah. So it's just, I wish they had started Chevy like in the middle of the action that was her downfall. Yes. Oh, I think that would have been like, you know, we have, cause we started with Riley's like action. Great. And we could have like flipped over to Chevy's action and be like, and then like, that would have been awesome. Like right there. Oh my God, you're in California. They're doing the sting operation, you know, from her point of view where she's protecting these kids or rather this family. And that'd have been great. Like that was, that would have been such interesting background, but no, instead she's pining away and whining about being in London. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would have much preferred 
seeing the sting operation and having like a time jump to her being in London. Right. Just like, oh, this, so this was the fallout, like that kind of thing. I think that would have been a better start because you would have gotten a chance to invest in her more easily versus she's hanging around this building and she's exercising and eating and not really doing anything. Yep. So least favorite scenes. Well, everything after chapter one and then um, until about one third of to, to the end. So two thirds of the book were my least favorite scene. Honestly, <sighs> I don't know. I was bored. It took me 10 freaking months to get from point A to point B. I didn't care about the characters. Garrick was annoying. I don't know. I mean, I did like a scene where he killed Malarkey's men. That was pretty interesting, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, everything up until Riley and Chevy actually meet was kind of boring. Minus that very, very beginning. Yeah. And then literally any time they were on the run, it was just like, oh, we're doing this again. Okay. <laughs> it was like the fights were really interesting. The people they met were really interesting. But all the running from point A to point B and B to C, just like, it was, no, it was not great. Mm-hmm. It's, it, uh, yeah. I don't know. Just, I don't know. I feel bad for judging it so harshly, but it just did not capture my interest and it wasn't magical, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is sad because I know we like Ian Colford in general as an author and we both really liked the premise of this book, but it just didn't work for either of us, I don't think. It didn't. And I don't like to be bored when I'm reading. I know. That's kind of defeats the purpose. It really does. All right. So what did you rate this book then? Eh, three stars. It really was sitting at like a two star, almost at a a one star, did not finish. But the last third of the book did redeem itself. It also was not as bad as High Fire because there was like zero bits of that book that redeemed itself, except for um, Squib's mom. Only person that book that was even Mm -hmm. worth a penny. And I mean, I did like some of the characters in this book more. And I kind of want to read the sequel, which sucks, by the way, because I was like not committed at all to like... But it only has like it's only a trilogy. Has two more books. And I kind of want to know more like about Bob. What if Bob and Chevy get together? That'd be kind of cute. I'm shipping them already in my head. As long as you know Bob takes a bath, that's a big thing. I don't know. Then, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I gave you a copy of this book. It's okay. It's one I will hand to my sons when they get to that age and probably never see it again. <laughs> I like you're going to keep it because I'm going to go put mine in a little library where it belongs and let someone else read it. Nah. So I gave this four stars. Like I said, I was lenient in my rating because it is a middle grade. If this had been a YA or a new adult or an adult, it would have been a three star. But I don't, I don't like harshly judging middle grades just because, again... I'm not the target audience anymore. So I definitely went easy on it. I also went a little easier on it just because 
again, this reminded me of why I liked Colfer as an author, because even though it was no Artemis Fowl, it definitely was better than High Fire. I know. But four stars, I mean, like a five-star book for me is, yes, I would like to read this book someday in the future. A four-star was, oh, man, that left me with a good book high. I didn't get my book high, man. Like, and I mean, young adult books can give me a book high, but there wasn't one. But you are generous and you are kind. I am not. It's okay. I'm not always kind in my reviews, but it is what it is. I definitely will never read it again. I will probably never suggest it to anyone. So, I mean, it's a book. I read it. Yeah. And that is the unfortunateness of that one. I don't see myself ever reading the second or third books. I might. I might. I don't know. I know you might. If you do, I will ask you if it's worth reading. But as it stands now, I have zero plans to ever read the next one. That's okay. So I guess that's all we got for tonight. Thank you guys for listening. And I hope you made it through the end of this episode. And yeah, we don't actually recommend you actually read this book. I mean, you can if you want to, but it wasn't really the greatest book ever. But maybe you'll like it more than us. If you did read it or you will read it, let us know. We would like to know. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use. Or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our miniseries, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.